I've uh, got to put a, something up that you might recognise. Anyone recognise that? Anyone know where it is? Yeah, I'm, I tricked a few people because I did show this a few weeks ago in something we did with the team, but that's actually in Carnarvon, that one. Um, it's like the one in the dish. This one's a bit smaller and it's, it's a radio telescope. It picks up messages. And I've got a bit of a connection with Carnarvon. My, my wife's grandma has lived up that way for many years. And we've been up there a number of times and the kids have gone in the telescope. It's been great. Why does a dish exist? Essentially, it picks up signals. You have your visual telescopes and they can see so far, but a telescope like this actually sees like things, black holes in the far distant galaxies. Uh, and so it can see a long way. It's very sensitive. It picks up the, the smallest message, the smallest little signal it can pick up. So that currently there are three radio telescopes in the world that can pick up the signals from the Voyager spacecraft that left in the 70s, and they are now outside the solar system. The dish can pick up the little 20-watt signal from outside our solar system. It can pick it up and uh, send messages to that spacecraft. Amazing. It's really good at picking up signals. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a science lesson, right? I've got that up there for a reason. All through the Bible, God communicates. He communicates to people. I want to say that every one of us has in our being a dish. We are able to receive messages from God. We are made in the image of God. Part of that means we have a spirit within that spirit is able to pick up messages from God. Particularly when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You are now a dish ready to pick up signals from God. We have that equipment with us as human beings. We're not, sep we're not separated or alienated from God. We are reconciled to God. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We are a dish. We can receive communication from God. Now, whether we listen is another thing, but we have the capacity to receive communication from God. Do you know that? Do you know that we actually have that capacity as human beings to receive messages, signals from God? Now, God communicates in all sorts of ways in the Bible. He guides people by circumstances. We have dreams and visions. And I want to use the image of the dish to represent that. That's the communication, people receiving communication from, from God all through history. Now, there is another way that God communicates. Sometimes it's the record of people communicating like that, a very important way that God speaks to us. So it's this one. Uh, it's the Bible. Let's go back previously. <laughs> Just that one. We'll go we'll bring them together in a minute. Uh, it's a story about the history of God. Uh, uh, so the history of the world, who, God who made it, it reveals God's intentions his plans for human beings and all creation, it reveals what God has done and what God thinks about what has happened. Many interactions between God and, pe and people. We say that it's inspired. The New Testament will say it, it's breathed by God. So God breathed out this book. Human people wrote it down, but God inspired those writers to write it in the way that he intended. So we have this book as a message from God. God's commands, the way of salvation, all of that is clearly explained in the Bible. I think we all probably here agree that it is a special book, it's a unique book, it's God's word to us. Last year as a church, you spent the whole year focused on understanding the Bible, understanding what it was, how, does, how do we relate to it. 
the importance of it in the Christian life. So God's got a book out. But many people, when you think about how people relate to this book, some people say, since the book has been published, God no longer speaks. He only speaks through the Bible. You'll read that out there, that people say that. He will only speak now through the Bible. You will discover absolutely in its pages wisdom for life. There's lots of stuff in there you can read, and it's magnificent. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I believe that God speaks through the Bible. But some people are very keen on the Bible, on God's book, and they're quite opposed to the idea that God would speak in any other way. He did it in the past, but he stopped that because now he's put a book out. He's become an author, and so now he has nothing more to say. Uh, can you imagine, well, I have a few problems with that view, because when you read the Bible, what do you read? You read page after page of God interacting with people through the dish, we have the capacity. God speaks to people all through, actively guiding them, personally guiding them. So I don't think the idea that now that God has a book out, I think the trajectory of where the book goes is not that the book is the end, but the book guides us as to how to have, how to have this relationship with God. So if you read the story of the Bible... It's not predicting a book as the final reality. You read that story, you don't come to a book. What you have is the story is a book and the book is telling us about a relationship. You can actually have a relationship with God. That's what the book tells you. Read the book, that's what it will tell you to do. Have a connection and a relationship with the living God who made all things and who sent Jesus to save us. You can say amen. Anyone say amen to that? <laughs> He's always been wanting to bring his presence to people. And I think that's, the, that's where the book's telling us things are going to. He wants to be with us. Part of that is communicating with us, speaking with us. Can you imagine a situation where a husband, uh, you know, him and, uh, him and his fiance are going out, they're having lots of communication, they get married. Next day, the wife uh, asks the husband, uh, what do you want to do today? And he goes, read the book, chapter 3. You'll understand what I want to do today. doesn't work, does it? Communication doesn't stop because you've got the book out. It's not a perfect analogy, of course, that. But you get the point. Intimacy, relationship and presence, all of these things the book talks about, the Bible tells us about them, but the Bible isn't those things. It's pointing us to a relationship with God. God wants to speak to us. I'm suggesting not just through the book, although the book has much to offer. So rather than the book being the end, it's a reliable guide to the God who speaks and the God who wants to speak to us and how he speaks to us. It gives us the framework for reality. Within that framework, we discover a personal relationship with God, with the author of the book. And I suggest that's where the book is taking us. So now we'll have them together. So I want to explore today, and I hope this is helpful, how can, the Bible speak, how can God speak through the Bible and yet also speak in other ways? How does he still communicate with us uh, like he always has? And the book helps us in that. I don't believe that having the Bible diminishes the idea that God will speak to us. 
and God speaking to us doesn't challenge the authority of the Bible. Uh, they work together. God speaks to us to show us how to do what's in the book. It's how we discover the relationship with our Creator, the author, which is what we were made for. So let's go on a journey. I want to start with this scripture. So this is a great commission. You recognize this. Uh, recorded in Matthew's Gospel. It's in the Bible. It's the words of Jesus. In fact, it's pretty important because it's in Matthew's Gospel, it's the last thing that Jesus says. It sums up the calling after talking to them for three years or so. This says, this is what I want you to do, guys. Sum it up. Go now and do this. Make disciples of all nations. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Things are different in the New Testament now than they were in the Old. Because Jesus has been raised to the right hand of the Father, all authority has been given to him. This is no longer just about one nation. Authority over all nations has been given to Jesus. Uh, contrary in the Old Testament, really it was about one nation. There were other things going on, but God was focused on one nation. Because through that nation, he wanted to bring the Messiah, who he would raise up and then make Lord of all nations, uh, all through the Old Testament. Ask of me, Psalm 2, I'll make the nations your inheritance. Isaiah 49, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Israel. I'll also make you a light to the Gentiles. It was too small, just one nation. God's plan was for all nations for Jesus to be over. Genesis 12, right at the start. All nations will be blessed through you, through the descendants of Abraham. So even though in the Old Testament you've got this focus on one nation, there's this promise that runs through that continually comes back to this idea that God is actually for all nations to worship and serve him. So these last words of Matthew's Gospel kind of say it's game on for all nations to now receive the gospel, to be discipled. Uh, and they become part of Scripture. These words are part of Scripture. They're part of the Bible. They're authoritative. They guide us as to what we're to do with our lives. Each one of us, in some way, is called to be involved in the Great Commission of making disciples. We, we have a job, part of our job. Some way, we are, we are instructed by that to go, we'll talk about that later. There's a little sheet of paper there. We are, that is part of our job description. I think we agree on that. How does it work itself out though? How does this words of scripture, words of Jesus, how does it work itself out later in the New Testament? I think there's a good example in Acts chapter 16. It's a few years after the Great Commission. Uh, Paul has become an apostle. He's going to plant churches around the Roman world, as the Great Commission said. Uh, that's his role. He's an apostle. He's looking for the places he's going to go to to share this message about Jesus, to bring discipleship to the nations. Uh, so let's read. So Acts 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Phrygia is really cold, right? Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now I read these words, I have a flashback to the Great Commission. 
What did Jesus say? He said, go to all nations, make disciples of all nations. And the whole story of the Bible had been leading up to bringing this message to everyone, not just one nation, but all of them. So Jesus said, go to all nations. It's the Bible. It's the Great Commission. It's authoritative. But what happens in these verses? Now, it says Paul and his companions were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching in Asia. Does that mean the Holy Spirit doesn't want the message to go to Asia? This is not Asia as we know it today. This is Asia as a Roman province. So the Holy Spirit specifically says, as you go about preaching all nations, don't go to Asia. Doesn't that sound strange when it is for all nations? Verse 7, they try to enter Bithynia, but it says the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So the Spirit's here called by a different name, the Spirit of Jesus, but the outcome is the same. Don't go to Bithynia. What do we make of this? Are the Bithynians and the Asians beyond redemption? Does God not want to bless them? Is the gospel for everyone except these guys because they're told don't go there? I think something's happening here is, that's really important in understanding how God guides us in fulfilling the Great Commission. How does the words of the Bible and the, and the active work of the Holy Spirit, how do those things come together? So I think we're seeing here an example of how the Great Commission gets accomplished. We see God's written word, specifically the Great Commission, go to all nations. That's the overall direction of God's will. He wants all nations reached. He wants to have disciples in all nations. But this incident shows us not only does God have this big plan to reach all nations, he also has specific plans for individuals as they go about that. These specific plans, how do we go about the Great Commission? Where do we go? When do we go? They're not in the Bible. They're communicated by the Holy Spirit. So you have God giving you the command to go to all nations. And then as it gets worked out, the Holy Spirit gives you the wisdom and the guidance about how and when. So you end up in a situation. God has clearly spoken in the Bible. The words of Jesus, no less, make disciples of all nations. But if you're going to do that effectively, if you're going to do that in line with God's will, you need guidance of the Holy Spirit. Don't go to Asia. Don't go to Bithynia. At least not now. The words of the Bible were not sufficient to guide them uh, in the Great Commission. There had to be, if the Great Commission is going to be fulfilled in God's way, the Holy Spirit has to guide people in that. They have to have communication from the Spirit. So we see the Bible and the Holy Spirit are needed if Christians are going to do the will of God. Clear guidance in the Bible, God's plans and purposes, the big picture, and specific guidance through the Holy Spirit. How are we going to engage? What's my role? What's the plans of God for today? So they get specific guidance. It's no, don't go there. What do they do when they're told not to go there and not to go there? It says, well, they, they passed on down to Troas. They just got the job. They just went on to the next place. They, they were on the way. Don't go there, don't go there. Okay, we'll move on. We'll keep going and we'll wait for the next guidance of the Holy Spirit. They just get on with the job. 
as best they can. The Bible got them started on the journey with the Great Commission, but they're waiting on the Holy Spirit for the guidance about how to go about it. So here's Paul's example. Let's get moving on the Great Commission. The Bible tells us that. Take the first steps and wait for the Holy Spirit to guide you in the specifics. So let's see what happens next. This is now verse 9. During the night, remember they're on the road to Trias. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So the Holy Spirit now guides them again. This time, it's not, go, it's not no, it's go, in the form of a dream. They see you know, a Macedonian asking for help. And Paul says, okay, let's go to Macedonia. That's where God's calling us. And so from there, they end up planting the church in Philippi, beyond that Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth, and the rest, as they say, is history. But the track of this, this journey, this like group of churches that gets planted out, in, uh, out on the other side of uh, Asia only happens because they didn't go over here. Because God said, don't go there. I want you to go there. And as they go there, doors open for them to plant churches. So Paul is keen to do God's will. He knew that Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. He knew he was called to be an apostle. Holy Spirit had confirmed that. So he heads off. This is the second missionary journey. He goes from place to place and he receives specific guidance from the Holy Spirit as he goes on this journey. No to Asia, no to Bithynia, yes to Macedonia. And churches are planted, eventually Philippi, Thessalonica, probably Berea and Athens, it doesn't talk about the churches there, and then Corinth. From the Bible, the instruction of God's will for his people, make disciples of all nations, start out in that direction, and as you go, the Holy Spirit gives you the wisdom and guidance you need. I think that's how it works. I think that's a helpful pattern. The Bible gives the big picture and the Spirit guides and points the day-to-day realities about how we're meant to do this. Okay, a quick diversion, but uh, another reading from 1 Peter. So I think, um, but I think this is helpful. I think in these verses we see the reason why God said, don't, this Holy Spirit said, don't go to Asia or Bithynia. And it wasn't because those places weren't worthy to hear the gospel or because God didn't want to bless them. Uh, look at this. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia. Notice this. Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father uh, through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Peter writes to Asia and Bithynia because that's where he went. These are all places in northern Turkey. So Paul went along the south of Turkey, went over to uh, Corinth, over to Greece. Later on, Paul was told not to go north. Peter goes north and all these places are up in northern Turkey. That's where Peter did his mission work. So when we, we see the Holy Spirit saying, don't go there or don't go there, It's not a random thing. Paul's told not to go there. Partly, at least, I think, because God has it. This is lined up for Peter. God's got it. God's got a plan. He's got this worked out. 
His plan is to reach all nations, and he wants to include all Christians in that. He's inviting people into that plan. Join me in reaching all the nations. God's got a strategy in his mind. He knows where people should go. He knows the role they should play and when. I don't think he gives us the whole strategy. He doesn't give Paul and Peter the strategy. He just says, well, don't go there. doesn't get an explanation as to what's going on. Only later on you find out that's where Peter's going to go. We simply are meant to do the things that God puts before us. And God will worry about what everyone else is doing. He will coordinate. It's like a conductor with an orchestra. Let's play this instrument. Let's play the instrument. Let's play over here now. As we listen to God's guidance, God lets us know what our part is in the Great Commission. And as we play our part, others will be playing a part somewhere else. God's plans gets accomplished as each of us plays the part that God gives to us in his plan. I want to say each of us has a part to play. Paul writes to the Corinthians and says this, each person is given a gift for the common good. It's for the benefit of everyone. And they, it says they are given as the Spirit determines. Your gifts are not your choice. They are not meant to be goals for you. to find. Uh, it's more about discovery than it is about creating it yourself. You discover what God's gifts are for you. They're determined by God. Freedom and fulfillment in serving God. And I think in life in general doesn't come by choosing for yourself your, your path in life. That's not where freedom is. Freedom is about surrendering your path in life and taking up God's path for your life. Discovering what God has prepared you to do. I encourage you, don't buy into the vibe, which is very strong in our society and, our, and, and this current generation. This is, you choose your destiny. So that's a that's disaster as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. Absolutely not. God has already chosen your destiny. He did it before you were born. There are good works prepared in advance for you to do. Ephesians uh, 2 verse 10 says that. God has prepared those things. He thought about it when he thought about you a long time ago. Our job is to come into this place in history, get to know this God to start with, and say, Lord, what are the purposes and the plans you have for my life that's what I want to do. I'm not interested in fulfilling my destiny, oh, not, not my own created destiny. I'm interested in fulfilling the destiny that God had before I was born and that he, in his mind, is going to be worked out through our lives. There are good works for each of us to walk in in our spiritual journey. Not fulfilled, I think, until we enter the narrow gate of salvation and then walk the narrow path of his plan for our lives. They come from discovering what God has and engaging in it in our lives. That's why we were made. Firstly, those things are revealed in the Bible in a general sense. And then specifically, they're revealed by the Holy Spirit. It's not just reading the Bible and saying, oh, I read the Bible, I'm going to do what the Bible says, without reference to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit guides us in how we work through what's in the Bible. 
Consider this, if Paul had have said, Jesus said, go to all nations, and he got to the border of Mysia, uh, about to go into Asia, because that was his plan, he wants to go there, and the Holy Spirit's saying, don't go there. And hang on a minute, God said in the Great Commission, and God, by the Holy Spirit, is saying, don't go there. If Paul had have just obeyed the Bible without the Holy Spirit, he would disobeyed God. It's just worth thinking about. And the churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, and eventually Corinth would not have been planted, at least not at that time. His insistence on the Bible only would cause him to miss God's plan for his life because the Holy Spirit is the one who shows us how to do God's will. God hasn't given us the, whole, the, the, the Bible to negate the Holy Spirit. Rather, the Spirit shows us how we read, apply, and live out God's purposes for our lives, the stuff that's revealed in the Bible. Let's go back. Let's go to the next one. So we're, we're looking at these two realities. Think about a situation today. The Bible gives us the Great Commission. Take this message, make disciples of all nations. The Bible tells us also that people are called to different things to do as part of the Great Commission. Plant churches, be pastors, teachers, administrators, elders, deacons, helpers, worship leaders, healers. There are hundreds of ways that people serve God. I don't think the gifts in the New Testament are exhaustive. I think they're suggestive and representative. I think nowadays, if on that list, if Paul was living today, he would have said, and tech as well. You know, there's so many ways people can serve God with tech, which didn't exist back then. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to believers for the common good to build up the body of Christ, both in terms of caring and supporting, but also extending. I think the Bible says each one of us has a part to play in the Great Commission. But the Bible doesn't tell me directly what is my part. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Through personal guidance, uh, all through the Bible, dreams, visions, experiences in prayer, responding. You know, you feel strangely led to a certain verse in the Bible. Uh, through the ministry of other believers, people encourage us. There's discipleship, prophecy, opportunities to serve. They come up and, and we, we say, let's take that opportunity. Through gifts and abilities and opportunities, he puts before us to serve him. Supporting mission, reaching out to others. I wonder what your part in the Great Commission is. Leading worship, teaching children, uh, artwork, tech, communications, supporting other people. There are hundreds of ways we can be involved, including tech. <laughs> For some of us, our workplace, there is a significant way that God uses us through our work and in our workplaces as well. Now, if you're not yet a Christian, if you haven't yet given your life to Jesus and said, yep, I want that journey, I realise what he's done for me, uh, I want to say that God has a place for you in your kingdom. You might not know it yet, but there is a plan for your life that you can discover that he will reveal to you as you give your life to him. There's a work for you to do. That, that's why you're really part of the reason you're put here on this planet. If you become a Christian recently, you're probably starting to realise there's something God wants me to do with my life. You've got a part in the Great Commission. My encouragement will be listen for the promptings. As you read the Scriptures, look for those senses, which I think God is speaking to me through this. 
Listen to what others say. The Holy Spirit will guide you as you seek. If you've been a Christian a while now, you really should have a clear sense. This is part of discipleship. Part of discipleship is knowing this is my part. You need to know what your part is. I'm talking to people who've been a Christian a while. Uh, You should have a sense, a growing sense that you have particular gifts that the Holy Spirit has been guiding you or drawing you in some way towards a certain path of service, nudging you to be involved in his plans in this world. Now, on your, on your seat, you have a form. Now, this is not a fill-in form. I'm not going to look at it. Nobody's going to look at it. It's an exercise. So on your seat, there should be one of these and a pencil. Uh, if anyone doesn't have one, um, I think we have some over there. So it should be a pencil around. So... It's an exercise. Because, you know, the church, the staff, we can do so much. At the end of the day, the Great Commission sits in the hands of every Christian. Your role, we want to help you discover that. But at the end of the day, your destiny, you have to walk into that yourself. The Holy Spirit's got to lead you in that space. What is it for me? What is it for us? What is my role in the Great Commission? It should be clear or getting clear to you if you've been a Christian for a while. What are those good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do? What is the destiny component of your life with Christ? Something we need to wrestle with. What part would God call you to play in this Great Commission? In His plans to bring the message of Jesus discipleship to all nations so it's not our goals in life that matters it's the goals that god has for us to discover that's the place where true fulfillment begins it's it's discovering god's purposes for your life you know in um there's a thing in society now they talk about the death of volunteerism they're saying that in across society people don't volunteer anymore uh it's dead i think i don't think that should be true in the church because we are part of a body and we there God these these are not coming from us this is God giving us things to do as part of his purposes guided by the spirit you can't steer a stationary ship you know if the ship's going nowhere you can turn the rudder as much as you like the ship goes nowhere it depends on the ship moving somewhere and then you turn the rudder and guess what it turns only when it's moving i think paul the apostle He's on board already with the Great Commission. He knows God's called him to be an apostle. So he gets going. As he gets going, no, no, come over here. The guidance of the Spirit happens as he's moving. Maybe some of us need to take that initial step to discern my part in the Great Commission. So here's the form. Uh, I think we're up there. Um, if If you're at home, have a look at that screen and say, what... Do the same exercise. You don't have to be super clear to begin. Start moving somewhere. Step out somewhere. Take a serving role and the Holy Spirit will point it out as you go. We're going to finish with a song. But I encourage you, take those forms. I've got a role to play. The Holy Spirit's going to guide me. Make those things fundamental parts of your journey. 
What are the gifts God has revealed to you? If you've been a Christian for a while, you should have a sense of that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the Bible, the wisdom and the truth that comes to us through the story of your people. The inspiration, Lord, of your word to us. We thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. You've built each of us with the capacity to receive communication from you. And Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to us, guide us, those good works that each of us has, that you have prepared for us, Lord. We want those to be part of our lives. May your presence and power by the Spirit guide us into these things. In our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our church, our workplaces, and in the world around us. Lord, help us discover the good works you have prepared for us. Lord, we want to play our part. Help us discern. Spirit of the living God, speak to us. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us in the night. Speak to us uh, through friends. Speak to us through our circumstances. Guide us by your word and by your spirit for the glory of Jesus and for the fulfillment of this great commission. We bless you in Jesus' name.